Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, what's up, Ocean Hills? It's John Ireland, and uh, we are in this series called COVID Clarity. It's on the Great Commission. I'm hoping by now you're able to fill in the blank. Jesus at the end of Matthew 28 says, go make not better Christians, not religious people, go make not church attenders, go make disciples, lifelong learners, people that are fully devoted to following Jesus Christ and becoming more like him in character and in conduct. Can I tell you that there was a book that shaped me as a young college student. It was titled this, Disciples Are Made, Not Born. I don't even remember the author, but that title, and then I read it, and I read it with a small group, Disciples Are Made, Not Born. And that's what this church is committed to doing, is really being about the holy marching orders of Jesus, following his command to make disciples. And if you're part of this church family, I want you to know my heart. This is not for professional Christians. This is not for just the Westmont religious studies majors. This is for every person who would identify as a follower of Jesus. And I'm thinking that's most of you that are watching and tuning in today. And so what I want us to do is to think about how did Jesus make disciples? How did he do it? I was, before we jump into that, I was so fortunate as a young man. I had more than one uh, older guy disciple me. That's the language. Disciple me. Help me become more like Jesus. When I was a newer Christian, a guy named Bobby Nelson said, hey, you want to come to my house once a week and we'll study the book of James and, and share our lives and pray for each other? That was kind of my first. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a youth pastor. He was, he was an ordinary guy. And then I had my, my roommate in college, Andy Clifford, and then Steve Knox and Kurt Holm. I could just go through the list. Uh, Steve Beck uh, was an important part of we kind of discipled each other. And then Dave Hicks is, is the one that had such a huge influence in me ending up going into ministry because he was like my spiritual father who helped me to really see how to disciple others well. And I could go on and on. Jerry Reed, Dennis Guernsey, Kurt Peterson. God has consistently used older men in my life to help me become more like Jesus. And it's this culture, I'm praying that God would build a discipleship culture at Ocean Hills where we are making disciples who make more and better disciples. So how did Jesus do it? I have five reflections. Number one, when you look at the life of Jesus, discipleship relationships are marked by closeness, closeness. How did Jesus transfer his manner, his message, and his mission into the lives of people. Well, he focused on a few. He had the masses, the crowds, but he focused on a few. He had the 12, and then he actually had the three. Look at Mark chapter 3, verse 14. It says, Jesus appointed 12 that they might be, what's it say? With him. It's about proximity. It's about 
closeness, connectedness. It's about sharing life together. He allowed those disciples to get close enough to him that they could see how he was living. Then in Mark chapter 14, I love this passage because we get a peek into the heart of Jesus and what he was struggling with. And he took three guys with him. Again, this idea of discipleship relationships are marked by closeness. Look at this verse, Mark 14. It says he took Peter, James, and John with him, proximity, closeness, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He let them see into his spirit, his heart that was troubled, overwhelmed, distressed. Verse 34, he told them, my soul is crushed with grief. Do you get the picture here? Jesus is letting a few guys into his heart, into his disappointment, into his heartache, into his struggle. He's facing the cross. He knows he's got to go there, but his humanity, he's wrestling. He wants, is there another way we can do this? Verse, he says, my soul's crushed with grief, grief to the point of death. And there he says this, stay here and keep watch with me. And he went a little further and he fell to the ground and he prayed, if it were possible that this awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. I love that last phrase. Not your will, but mine. I want your will. Jesus let them into his surrender. They got a peek into him yielding, him struggling, but then yielding to the will of God to say, I, this is what I want, but God, if you want, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do what you want. And, and he let those three into it. Discipleship relationships, they're marked by closeness. If you want to make an impact on others, you and I, we have to let people get close to us. We have to let people into our lives so they see our struggles. They, they're able to hear us share our disappointments. We have to live with this kind of authenticity and vulnerability. No posing, no pretending, no going through the motions. I remember Dave Hicks, who I mentioned, really my spiritual father. He let me into his life. He let me see how he honored his wife. He also let me see him have disagreements with his wife and how they resolved that. I got to watch him parent. I got to watch him pray. I got to watch him discipline his kids. I got to go away with him on road trips and see how he lived his life, that he was the real deal. The secular and the sacred, they, were, they, they weren't two different things. It was all intersecting together. And that's part of how impact happens. When, when we let people get close to us as we are following Jesus. Paul said it this way, you know, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. So the first reflection is discipleship relationships are marked by closeness. The second is discipleship relationships, they're marked by mutual participation. You know, Jesus invited Peter. He said, Peter, come and follow me. And what did Peter do? He left his nets. He dropped his nets. He left that business behind and he, and he went and followed Jesus. Now, Jesus also said to the rich young ruler, come and follow me. And by the way, you're going to have to get rid of those possessions because they're in the way of you following me. And guess what happened? The rich young ruler, he walked away sad. Did Jesus chase him and beg him? No, 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 I'll make it. No, Jesus didn't chase him. Je Jesus didn't badger him. Jesus didn't beg him. 
Discipleship relationships are marked by mutual participation. Remember we were talking about that person of peace last week? Who's responsive to you? Who do you have a friendship with? Who, who does it feel normal and natural when it's flowing, right? And so this idea of mutual participation, I remember uh, we had a boot camp for women on mentoring and discipleship, and I had Jamie Lasea speak at it, and uh, she shared one of the sessions. I'll never forget one soundbite she said. She said, I came to a point in my mentoring and discipling of others where I stopped chasing others. Like so much of my life I'm chasing and, and, and then they don't show up and they don't want it as much as I want it. And I finally said, you know what, if you want it, here's my phone number, call me. And the ones that returned her call and called her back, she met with them, she poured into them, but she said, I'm, I'm done chasing people to try and get them or pressure them or say, hey, you know. And so that's, I think, an important mark of discipling. It's mutual. There's got to be responsiveness. Here's number three. Discipleship relationships are marked by a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. Now, spoiler alert. If you get to the end of this passage, Jesus says, Lo, I am with you always. What does that mean? It means that he is going to give his Holy Spirit to his disciples, and he gives the Holy Spirit to us so that we're never alone. You are not alone in this discipling of others effort, process, work. You are not alone. Jesus doesn't leave you as a kind of orphan and say, hey, good luck. Stay warm and well-fed. No, no, no. He says, I am going to go with you. I am actually going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit, so I'm living in you, giving you the power, the capacity, the desire, the insight, the wisdom. He's giving you all that you need to pour into, to invest, to, dis to disciple another person. And you know, it's the Spirit of God, I believe, that led Jesus to, are you ready for this word? To customize many of his conversations. It wasn't a cookie cutter model that Jesus had in discipling. I mean, just think about it. Thomas had doubt issues. So Jesus had discipling conversations with Thomas about doubt. Peter had anger issues. Jesus had to talk to him about that. James and John had ego issues. So he had to pull them aside and talk to them about what does it mean to be great in the kingdom. Judas had greed issues. Jesus had to address those. So discipleship is about what are those areas we wrestle with that are getting in the way of us becoming more like Jesus. And let's talk about those things so that we can like Jesus say, not my will, but your will be done. We can live that fully surrendered life that happens because of a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. I have a quote in my notes, and it, it, I, it, I get credit for this quote. I've never done that before, but I thought about this. I love the way that I worded this, and I feel like God gave me this. And it's, here's, here's the line. The things you don't want to talk about are the things you need to be talking about. So in a discipling relate, what's the thing you go, oh, gosh, I hope she doesn't ask me that. I hope he doesn't ask me that. Why? You know, in, when we're discipling, we want to be talking about those things that are getting in the way of us becoming more like Jesus, because that's the desire of our heart. And the Holy Spirit is going to lead us in those conversations. My friend John Jenks, he said to me this, he said, there's two questions that we should get comfortable asking and that we should practice asking each other all the time. Here they are. 
What is God doing in your life? Maybe write that down. Just, I know for some of you, you're like, I can't ask that to my, but yes, you can. In fact, this week, I want you to ask your wife. I want you to ask your buddy, your roommate. I want you to ask uh, that person of peace. What is God doing in your life? And here's the second question. What do you want God to do in your life? What do you want God to do? Not in your wife or husband or boss or parents life. What do you want God to do in your life? Where do you want him to show up? Where do you want him to, to help you grow up? to set you free. Maybe there's a maybe you're locked up. Maybe you got an addiction. Maybe you got you're struggling with something. Maybe it's a money issue. Where 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 do you want God to show up in your life? So it's what is God doing in your life and then what do you want God to do in your life? Two questions we need to get comfortable asking and practice asking each other. I want you to practice those two questions this week. Here's number 4 reflection of how Jesus discipled and what we can learn from him. Discipleship relationships are marked by the desire to become more like Jesus. We don't meet just to check in. Hey, how about that Dodger game last night? Okay, let's close in prayer. It's, it's, sometimes we can get into just talking about our kids and their allergies and our favorite sports team and this, this putt I missed on the 18th hole to lose my match. Discipleship relate. That's fine and dandy to spend a few minutes talking about that stuff, small talk, but then... Discipleship relationships, they're marked by the desire to become more like Jesus. And the focus, it's not on religious activity or church membership. The focus is not on getting through the workbook in eight weeks because it's an eight-week book. Although workbooks are great, but maybe it's going to take you 24 weeks to get through the workbook. It's the pretext for gathering and meeting, and, and it serves as, as guide. Uh, there's so many great resources, but that's not the point to get through it. The focus is not on beliefs, but on behavior, becoming more loving and generous and compassionate and forgiving and freed up. The focus is not on adding more religious activities. We don't want to make you busier. The focus is on removing things from your life that don't belong there. Things like greed, rage, anger, uh, laziness. Maybe you're late all the way. Whatever is, is getting in the way of your most important relationships. Talk about those things that you need to get out of your life. Things that that are blocking the flow of the Holy Spirit? What's your signature sin? Where are you being willful and just saying, I'm going to do my own thing. I don't care. Like Those are the things we want to talk about and, and get root those out of us. I love this quote. It's by Larry Osborne. He's a pastor of a big old church in North San Diego. He says this, Discipleship is pushing you in areas you don't want to go. So you think about it. I, don't talk to me about giving. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to have to give more money. And yet, Jesus talked about money a lot and, and not controlling it or hoarding it and being greedy. He wants us to live this way. We need to be talking about money in these discipling relationships. It might be on reading scripture. You might go, I just don't read the Bible. Well, why not? This is God's word to you. He wants to speak to you, right? I mean, pushing you in areas you don't want to go. Right here, right now, I want you just to write down, maybe in your journal, or what's one area you're like, I don't, don't want to go there. You know, Maybe it's even discipling somebody else. 
Talk about it. Why? What's your resistance, right? Um, it's not enough. Let me just say this. The focus of discipling and this becoming like Jesus, it's more than believing. You know, I, I know God's word says love your enemies, but I can still be a really mean, hateful person to my enemies. So discipleship isn't just knowing God's word, it's doing God's word. And then here's the last reflection. And this is really, this, this is the big point here, folks. Discipleship relationships are marked by this outcome. Self-initiating, reproducing, wholehearted followers of Jesus. You know, the NFL, this is NFL weekend. All the games start this weekend, right? And those of you that are football fans, you know that in football, moving the ball between the 20-yard lines, that happens all the time. And you get inside the 20, it's called you're in the red zone. You know that. And the teams that win the most games, once they're in the red zones, they have success of putting that football into the end zone, which is called a touchdown. And, uh, but a lot of teams, they get into the red zone, but they never get into the end zone. What we're talking about here with this fifth reflection, where you're actually reproducing, you're now making disciples, that's your life and my life in the red zone. And now when we start reproducing and making disciples, where we go beyond just, I'm growing more like Jesus. Now I'm helping somebody else become more like Jesus. That's the touchdown in the Christian life. When you start making disciples who are self-initiating, reproducing, and wholeheartedly following Jesus Christ. You remember Mary, the mother of Jesus? She was... An ordinary girl, Ann Jenks told me this quote this week. She was an ordinary girl until she said yes to God. Peter was an ordinary guy until he said yes to God. Go make a disciple. What does it mean? It means saying, yes, God, use me intentionally to help somebody else grow and become more like Jesus Christ. And so let me just stop with the COVID clarity questions. What is your response this morning? What is your response? What is your heart telling you right here, right now? As you hear the holy marching orders, go make disciples. Is your response, yep, I'm all in. I'm praying for my person of peace and I'm paying attention. Or is your response, not now, no, I'm out. And here's why. Is it a yes or is it a no? I want to call you to a place of decision right here, right now. If you're a no, what's holding you back? Is it fear? Is it this, I feel unworthy? What is it? And then get with someone and pray about it. God uses people that feel inadequate and unworthy to make the best disciples. So I'm going to stop. I invite you to close your eyes and let me pray over us right now. And then I'm going to invite you to linger in those questions just with whoever you're watching with today. And if you're alone, then pick up the phone and call a friend this afternoon and talk about these. Holy Spirit, thank you for taking your word and taking those three words, go make disciples, and planting them into our hearts. I pray that, that those three words would bear fruit in our lives today. I pray that there would be a revival in our church family, 
that we would become a disciple-making God family, that people will look back and say, wow, it was when I was at Ocean Hills, when in, in my teenage years, in my college years, in my 20s, it's when I was in my 40s, 50s, and I was challenged to go make disciples. Everybody can be making disciples. God, put the desire in our hearts. And then, Lord, use us as we step out in faith and say yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.